0: listening to the Identity at the Center podcast. This is the show that talks about identity and access management, and making sure you know who has access to what. Let's get started.
1: Welcome to the Identity at the Center podcast. I'm Jeff and that's Jim. Hey Jim. Hey Jeff, how are you? Oh, not so
2: bad yourself? Good, but a little bit sad. I'm having to go through the process of canceling my reservations for the Identiverse Conference. Um, just I have too much stuff going on and I'm not going to be able to make it. And I know I've been telling everyone on the podcast recently that I was going to be there. This podcast is going to go live the day before, and I'm very sad that I'm not going to be able to be there in person, but I'm hoping to at least
1: uh, be able to catch the sessions virtually. Um, We have lots of friends there. I think I've shared I won't be there. (laughs) Uh, By the time people are listening to this, I will be neck deep in boxes, moving a house, uh, uh, moving out of my house and into another house uh, the same week. So kind of bittersweet. I was looking forward to it, especially this being the first conference that's being run by, uh, you know, different organizations. than Ping kind of truly separates it from from them and makes it a little more vendor neutral. Not that it wasn't before, but uh, it's been a while. I was at RSA a few weeks ago, and it was cool to kind of see people there. Um, you know, be able to kind of fist bump folks that, uh, uh, hadn't seen in a very long time. Um, I did see Vittorio on the street, I think after we recorded, cause we recorded, I want to say Vittorio like, Vittorio was just, on the street. Was he like <laughs> lunched over? <laughs> no, it's one of those things where you're heading, you're, you know, every night there's like some sort of activity and I don't remember what I was doing. I was going to get food or something like that. I was just like done for the day and I, and I saw him from a distance I mean, you can't miss that hair. Yeah, you right? can't and, miss that like, hair, no. Yeah. So I was like, oh that's Vittorio. I was like, and and we were working on something specifically for this show. So we'll get to that in a second. So I kinda of walked around and I fist bump him and say, Hey, you know what's going on, and kind of chatted for a second and then kind of went on our ways. But that was pretty much like the conference was like, you know, like a thirty second to one minute, two minute fist bump and then like hustle and bustle off to the next thing that was out there. But Well, the good news
2: was that you weren't seeing Vittorio on the streets because he couldn't get a hotel, which I know for (laughs) conferences in the past,
1: especially RSA, that can sometimes be an issue. It is so hard to get a good hotel for RSA. You have to book the day that they announce it, or or you are staying far away, you're taking shuttles, or yeah, you're just out of luck. Hopefully you're not crossing the Bay Bridge (laughs) to, to try and make it, but... Yeah, that's that's the pro tip we talked about uh, you know, last time when we were talking about this was make sure you uh, book early and book often <laughs> hotel rooms if you're going to RSA. That's right. That's right. So, so this, yeah, this thing that we were talking about with Vittorio that I sort of teased a little bit, this actually came as a result of a conversation that you and myself and Andy Hindle, who was on the show a few weeks ago, Kind of we're talking about, I think it was actually even during like one of just kind of like our pre-meeting kind of getting set up and mic check and right, you know, all that good stuff. And we're kind of thinking about, you know, has has the definition of identity and access management changed? And I was like, okay, well, that would be kind of an interesting show because I feel like it kind of has. And there's a lot of different terms sometimes used for this, right? Digital identity, IAM, IDM, you know, uh, all the different sort of identity words that could be out there. And say, like, oh well, maybe we can turn this into a show. And my original thought was, hey, let's do like a live panel. Like, you know, we've we have this live stream, and haven't really been able to do it mostly because my schedule sucks, <laughs> but should be stabilizing here in a couple of weeks after I get moved. Um, but I thought, I was like, okay, it'll be interesting to get you know some of the uh, identarati, as we like to say, you know, on the show in some way and kind of have a roundtable discussion. And then actually, you had the brilliant idea it was like, why don't we just ask people the question and have them. You know, email in uh, their audio response. So, I guess Jim, do you want to kind of take you take us through the the process of how we got to where we are today, and from your perspective?
2: Yeah, no, I, mean, I think you know they're pretty good. there. are um, you know, I think what what happened was Andy kept saying digital identity, digital identity, and I thought to myself, whatever happened to I am? And so I asked him that question: What's the difference between digital identity and I am? And It kind of stumped him, right? And he's like, well, this is a longer answer. This would be a longer answer than we have time for in, you know, this little bit of the episode. So maybe we make it a follow-up episode. And then from there, we kind of, as you mentioned, evolved the idea into this kind of roundtable. And we're going to go through um, the recordings that were submitted in the order they were sent to us. So no particular order. Uh, but do you want to go through and kind of like mention each person that played the clip and then comment?
1: Yeah, I will MC this. And so, yeah, the way this worked was, you know, Jim spammed everybody that we could think of sending email to say, hey, here's the question. If you'd be willing to record like a two to three minute sort of answer on what your thoughts are. And the question that we posed to everyone was this. What's the difference between digital identity and identity and access management. We're really kind of looking to see you know, what the different responses were. We got responses from a few different people. Um, we have Ian Glazer, he's the Senior Vice President, Identity Product Management at Salesforce. He's a friend of the show, been on the show before. Sarah Sacchetti, she's the head of product for Amazon Cognito, another person who's been on the show. Actually, all these people have been on the show. Uh, Eve Mailer, Chief Technol- Technology Officer at ForgeRock. We've got Adam Michael, who's a data management officer and director for IT risk and identity and adjunct professor at Texas A&M University. And then our old friend, Jamie lewis Gross who's the vice president, solutions engineering and strategy at Savient. So now by saying uh, that, Jeff, you're not yeah. calling Jamie old, right? He's has no, been our friend not. for a long time. She has. And I think I'm, I think I am older than she is. So, uh, she, I, I've got her beat on that one, but, um, uh, Here's his interest. Like when she, I'll let you listen. So if you're listening to the show and you stick around for when Jamie gets into hers, um, let's just say she ages herself as well. (laughs) How about that? Uh, of her own, you know, volition, whatever it is. Sorry, Jamie, don't mean to throw you under the bus, but you start off with it. Um, but yeah, and the other thing is cool here is I think really the only answer that Jim has heard so far is Ian's. So the other is. Jim hasn't even really kind of listened to and Jamie's is going to be a complete surprise for the first time. So a lot of this will be a combination of reaction, mostly on Jim's part. I have heard them all because I have edited them together and, um, you know, prepped sort of uh, the sound stage here as we're recording. So it'll be interesting. So why don't we go ahead and get started? And the question again, as we asked people was, what's the difference between digital identity and identity and access management? And this first clip is from Ian Glazer.
3: So at first I thought that this question, what's the difference between IAM and digital identity was an easy one to answer. And then I realized it's absolutely not. And it's the reason why it's not, is not because if you ask three identity people, what their definition is of a specific identity term, you'll get six answers it's because in, within the question is actually a bunch of different issues. So I think at the surface layer, the difference is in my mind. IAM, although it used to be the way certainly analysts refer to the general market of digital identity, has become shorthand for workforce identity and access management. So I think in sort of more modern parlance, IAM is the workforce equivalent of Siam. Okay. And so then that's true Then we're left wanting an umbrella term that could cover both workforce identity and SIAM and all the other bits that are starting to become integral to the industry. And so to me, digital identity has become that umbrella term. Problem is that's not entirely ideal. Um, it certainly leaves areas out of the conversation. So for example, if you talk to an identity practitioner, then you say, hey, do you work on identity theft? They'll likely say, no, that's not identity or that's not the identity I work on. And if you, you know, ask another practitioner about, you know, how much they do in terms of source documentation, verification for legal identity bound to a digital credential, depending on industry, they may say, well, I don't, I don't do that at all. Um, And so the identity and identity documents, which often come from the physical world and now are starting to make their way in the digital world. That often gets left out of the conversation too. So uh, the reason why I'm thinking about these things is because boundaries are important and names in this case really come with a set of boundaries and that helps drive clarity in the conversation. One thing that, uh, you know, I realized was actually a couple of years ago, Andrew Nash, uh, at the time, I think he was with Capital One gave a really good talk that basically said, hey, you in the audience think you're doing identity management. What you're probably actually doing is just user account management. And he wasn't being demeaning. He was saying like, look, the totality of the things that go into what many of us do on a day-to-day basis is user account manipulation. Assignment of title, entitlements, doing the identity plumbing. But what we weren't doing was the more holistic, I have a digital representation of this legal entity And all of the things associated with it, let's manage those things, which notionally would be identity management or digital identity management. So coming back around, uh, I think the answer is at the surface level, IAM has now become shorthand for workforce identity and all of the things associated with a classic enterprise workforce identity infrastructure. And digital identity is the umbrella term for the industry. But I think that's maybe not as exact as it could be. And, you know, again, given the opportunity to talk about definitions, everybody's got a bunch of opinions. Those are mine.
1: All right. So that was Ian Glazer at Salesforce. What are your thoughts, Jim? I think that
2: he got to the heart of kind of what I think the difference is, which is that it's a, it's kind of how you're, it's wording around, you know, what is the classification of the industry now? He's saying identity and access management has been become kind of a focus on the workforce part of this whole digital identity space. Whereas I think it's kind of like a historical change that's happened. It's like we started out with the industry of identity and access management. And yes, it was workforce. And yes, you know, at the time, if you look at the solutions that were on the market, there were identity management solutions. It wasn't even IGA. And there were access management solutions. So they were, how do you protect your websites? It was less about federating out, but it was more about protecting the systems that you had. So the classification identity and access management did it very well for the time. And then as what kind of start to build up in the space kind of grew and added new scope, it kind of stretched and the term identity and access management, I feel like became less descriptive of what this whole space has become, which includes customer identity management, which includes um, self-sovereign identity and identity verification, all these things that no longer did the term identity and access management fit very well. And I think the term digital identity has been around for a while, but people weren't really taking it seriously until within the last, let's say, three, four years where I feel like it's, you know, people are starting to now break from using I am I still use am but that's kind of the way I am. I still write with a pen on a piece of paper sometimes. Um, and the term digital identity is kind of taking over, which encompasses this much larger area. And I think it's
1: probably just more appropriate. Yeah. One thing that he said that struck me was this delineation between IAM as being like workforce and SIAM or customer identity and access management, and I know you and I have really kind of figured out some of that stuff as we were kind of talking over the last couple of years. We've started to call it like EIAM, enterprise IAM versus SIAM or CIAM, customer IAM. You know, maybe it's not EIAM, maybe it's WIAM, workforce identity and access management, or maybe YAM or in SIAM, <laughs> right? things like that. But I think it is interesting that the definition clearly has changed. I'm a little surprised, not surprised because we're going to have more, more answers here at the perspective that it seemed to me what I was taking is that I am sort of fits underneath the umbrella of digital identity. I can see a situation where people might have a definition of digital identity as sort of like a civic or citizen type identity. It'll be interesting if we, as you listen here to some of the other folks that we've got. Um, if you know how 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 close are, are some of these definitions and how different some of them are, because I think the perspectives really are pretty different. Um, why don't we go ahead and get into Sarah Sacchetti uh, next? She's with Amazon Cognito. We asked her the question: What's the difference between digital identity and identity and access management?
4: What's the difference between IAM and digital identity? I was tempted to say there is no difference between IM and digital identity, and I suspect that's what many experts will tell you, but that's not true. There's a very important and overlooked difference. There's a division of the U.S. government called the National Institute for Standards and Technology, or NIST, and their job is to measure things. How long is a meter? Ask NIST. How heavy is a kilogram? Ask NIST. Well, in the 21st century, they started measuring not just physical things, but digital things like security and identity. They wrote a document called Special Publication 800-63. The publication outlined a way to measure how strong an identity transaction was. And it used a measure called level of assurance. How sure can I be that the person at the end of the line is who they say they are? As that document went into broad use, they found it had cracks in its armor. It wasn't doing the job that it was intended to do because it was too one-dimensional. And it was one-dimensional in exactly the access that we're focusing on in this episode. It conflated IAM with digital identity. It's said that the strongest transactions have both strong authentication mechanisms and strong identity proofing, meaning that we verified the real-life identity of the person at the end of the line. But that measure leaves no room for a very important use case. Strongly authenticated, anonymous users. Imagine a political dissident who wants to tell the story of what she's experiencing in her country, but she needs to keep her identity hidden so that her government won't find her. Do we need strong authentication for that person? Absolutely, we need to use the strongest technology we have to make sure that her lines of communication haven't been compromised. Do we need strong identity proofing for that person? No. Identity proofing that person could actually compromise her safety. We need strong IAM without strong digital identity. That's when NIST hired a team of identity experts, including myself, to rewrite the whole concept of identity verification. We threw out the one-dimensional limiter and made it three-dimensional. Now, instead of one level of assurance, there are three identity assurance level, authenticator assurance level and federation assurance level because I am and digital identity are and must remain different
1: all right, so what do you think about Sarah's answer? Oh, I think that that's a very
2: good use case, right and I I haven't I hadn't thought of that. um I
1: can see where she's coming from. yeah, I mean that I mean it's obviously you know given the state of the world right the the political dissidents and government dissidents and some things like that that are happening. Certainly makes the case for. Okay, so what is what is a definition of digital identity, and she's exploded it into three dimensions. Is are, are those enough dimensions? Is there a fourth dimension, space and time? Maybe, uh, you know, what is the the right way to look at, or maybe maybe the definition changes based on the use case, which might be a little bit tricky too.
2: Yeah, I I remember. In the early days of am, some people kind of making the argument of, I'm Jim McDonald, so why can't I just be Jim McDonald, whether I'm using my Google login or my corporate login, I'm still the same person. I think the case that Sarah's making is that sometimes I don't want you to know that Jim McDonald make this statement because if I speak out, I may disappear the next day so there are times where anonymous is what i want to be i want to separate that authentication so my right to access that account from who i am as a person i think the you know the other aspect to this could be just thinking about it as it could be the identity of things which again has kind of fallen into originally fell into i am maybe wasn't the best fit, definitely under the digital identity umbrella. But you know, I I think that it's it's one of the biggest conundrums of I am or digital identity is does a thing really have an identity?
1: Yeah, th- I mean, in the same t- way as a person. Well, this is timely with the the news out of Google, right? With uh, one of the one of the folks in Google saying that their AI <laughs> is has become sentient or at least appears to be or something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, does does a thing have an identity i mean clearly there is internet of things and now i think we're stretching into the line of digital identity of things so does a smart thermostat which clearly lives in the real world i can touch it it has its own digital identity on the network or you know whatever it may be the the platform that it's connected to i think oh. i feel like if if this was a video podcast i'd be like using that exploding brain (laughs) uh, gif right now or video clip. would be coming out of the top of your head. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, All right, why don't we move to the next one? Um, This is Eve Mailer. She's the Chief Technology Officer at ForgeRock. We asked her, what's the difference between digital identity and identity and access
5: management? Identity language has been a contentious subject for a long time. Thinking back to the beginnings of IIW, the Internet Identity Workshop, The original effort by that community was to actually develop a lexicon, a comprehensive lexicon. It was tough going then, and I think it's always tough going in this area. How I see digital identity as a phrase is that it applies to the users of or the interactors with identity technology. Uh, And I see IAM as being about the implementation of identity technology in whatever guise. So when it comes to digital identity, the kind of the user perspective, um, you know, most people interact with identity in a way that actually isn't all that pleasant. Identity theft is probably the first thing that comes to mind. And a lot of times that interaction is actually in an offline fashion versus an online runtime authentication, for example, fashion. When it comes to IAM. That term itself is is a bucket for a lot of other different things, and sometimes they overlap with IAM, and sometimes they may be a little bit apart. So identity management, kind of lifecycle considerations, access management, really all the runtime considerations, uh, and also governance and administration, which gets into the world of really operational things. And there's this phrase that I I really like lately: bolts, which is business, operational, legal, technical, and societal. So that's kind of the game that you get into when you talk about both the, the above-the-water uh, user considerations and the below-the-water implementer considerations. One of the things that I find when I just talk with ordinary people out there who don't do what I do about what you could call the jobs-to-be-done of digital identity is that all of the, the, the things people expect to get from this sort of technology, it cross-cuts with things businesses want as well. Uh, You know, I have a new Venn diagram about this where I think in terms of protection and personalization and payment and people. So there are unique needs among all of those categories, and they cross-cut quite a lot of things, like achieving security is actually something that's welcomed by people and by businesses. It applies across all of the identity language.
1: So I thought that was pretty interesting, the the definitions that she has for the two and kind of Seems to me like it was it's you know it changes a little bit, right? Whether you're IAM or digital identity. What are you thinking?
2: Yeah, it's interesting because I'm <clears throat> going to allow my mental definition to adapt as I hear these recordings because it's really, you know, as I was listening to Ian, that like you said, that was the only one I listened to beforehand, kind of saw identity and access management as a subset of digital identity. As I was listening to Eve's like kind of thinking they're two separate concepts, right? Identity and access management potentially is something I do with all these processes to, you know, manage who gets access to what, which I think is the traditional definition, right? But then when I think about digital identity, I'm actually thinking about some instantiation of, say, Apple has this concept of who Jim McDonald is. And I can, you know, have Apple's vision of Jim McDonald, but it really kind of has a border around it. And then Google has a different definition of the digital identity for Jim McDonald. And then as Jim McDonald, I've got all these digital identities running around. Maybe they all tie back to me, but essentially they're like a data set that these companies have about me. They're like a digital fingerprint of me. Maybe they can grant me access to things within their border. Maybe they can grant me access to things beyond my border. So, you know, maybe Okta has that digital identity or that thumbprint about Jim McDonald and it can pass me on to concur, for example. Um, but yeah, so so maybe rather than I am being a part of digital identity, representing, you know, workforce or even some set of technologies, it's it is that workforce set of technologies, how I go and manage. But then these digital identities is a separate concept, which is these companies have this fingerprint, this data set about me, and that is what digital identity is. Yeah, I think
1: it's interesting if we take that concept of, okay, well, this concept of digital identity and separate out from what is identity and access management, it's typically a collection of services that are being done. It's identity management, it's access management, privilege access, governance and administration, right? things that you've, you've mentioned. Uh, even. Even the 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 service of running an IAM program is a service within that, and now you're starting. I, I hope people are starting to catch on. It's like this is hard to define because people have different interpretations of, you know, digital identity. What does it mean? Does it mean your your fingerprint, you know, so to speak, uh, online or other, you know, digital transactions, or is it meant to be? you know, the overarching, well, we know it's more than I am and we need to come how somehow say that, well, we do both, you know, I am from an enterprise perspective, but we also do it from a customer side and, you know, we do other things other than technology. Maybe it's program, you know, does that fit under the bucket or that definition? Um, I think it's interesting, you know, as we're kind of going along, I was certainly, I certainly had sort of a, in my head definition. And as I listened to these over and over and over again, <laughs> through, the, through the editing process and, and prepping the show, um, it changed a little bit. And and now I, I'll be honest, I'm not sure what to think. <laughs> so um, let's keep going. And let's now hear from Adam Michael over at Texas A&M and what his answer was to the question of what's the difference between digital identity and identity and access management.
0: When I think about the difference between IAM and digital identity, I really think that they are overlapping sets. So I see digital identity as being a key component of an overall IAM strategy. So digital identity to me, uh, and I'm coming from the perspective of a higher education environment, but so much of what we do now, learning and research is moving to an online environment. And the ability to authenticate someone and know that, okay, if Joe student is taking a test, we actually have the correct person on the other end of the online resource taking that test, right? It's important that we have an easy way for our students and our faculty to assert their identity in a digital space. Now, that's just step one, right? Authentication and saying that this person actually is who they say they are. But when we talk about IAM, it goes beyond that. And we have this concept of giving them access to resources. So once we've verified their identity in a digital space, we want to be able to grant them access to the right things in the right way and the right time, right? So that's the access component in IAM. And so I really see digital identity and IAM as being very closely related and maybe even overlapping sets. IAM being the superset of something, a a concept that digital identity fits inside.
1: All right. So remember when I (laughs) was saying that maybe digital identity is the overall? Adam went a different way. He sees it the opposite, where digital identity is a component of identity and access management, which I can kind of get behind as well. What are you thinking?
2: Yeah, I mean, it goes to show you that there's there's no wrong answer here. Um, It's, it, it, Definitely makes you think because I think it kind of even brings in that concept of the thumbprint. Now I assert or I um, I authenticate myself as I am Jim McDonald. Now you can take that thumbprint of data and you know go go ahead and associate it with me through whatever interface I'm using. And when he thinks about identity and access management, it's all those processes that are included. So, I mean, that's definitely a, um, a valuable perspective. And I think what's so interesting is like that you can have two people who live in this world independently come up with totally opposite, you know, configurations of which one encompasses the other
1: that that's why I think it is such a good question. Well, here's another wrinkle throughout. So the people that we asked adam is the only one that's actually in the business side of iam
2: practitioner he's not
1: yeah he's a practitioner right he's not a vendor he's not an identity person for example right he is more on the business delivery of identity services rather than a product person which ian sarah um, eve and and jamie coming up are all more on the identity product side of things so it is interesting to hear sort of like the business definition or a business answer you know from someone like that to say okay well here's here's how the business upset which i thought was interesting yeah i think um one of the things that i also have was thinking about is
2: you know especially in like ian's case and eve's case because i think the first time i met the two of them was close to 20 years ago uh, at identity and access management conferences and they were part of this identity right and there's many other folks who were Kind of there in that is that I am was this, you know, especially the conferences where people were really talking about was what is an identity, like these really philosophical conversations. And I had been in IT at that point for probably about, you know, eight years. I was like, I've never run into a nook within IT where it was like all about or so much of it was about the philosophy of what we're doing here. And so that's really what the the roots of I am. And so I, I kind of heard that a lot in their answer as well. It was kind of that,
1: you know, coming from those roots. Deep thinkers. Deep thinkers, <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, why don't we go to Jamie Lewis-Grace and her answer to the question of what's the difference between a digital identity and identity and access management? And she's from Saviant.
6: I was asked, what's the difference between IAM? am and digital identity. Well, this is a lot to unpack in a very short amount of time because I've been at this for a very long time and I've seen the industry evolve. IAM, Identity and Access Management. So early on, IAM was often synonymous with authentication. It then pushed into automation of processes, password management, efficiency gains, reduction of costs. Ultimately, I saw IAM become the umbrella of technologies and policies to manage access and mitigate risk, inclusive of not only authentication, single sign-on, and multi-factor, but then it started to extend into privileged access management, identity governance and administration, risk profiling, authorization, RBAC, ABAC, PBAC, And the focus was really always on the workforce, at least from from my experience. And so that brings me to digital identity. So digital identity has extended beyond just the carbon-based identities of our workforce, our vendors, our suppliers, our contractors. It's encompassing of B2C, B2B, G2C, but also what's very important to understand is it's taken on the silicon identities too. Those not well-managed service accounts, it includes certificates, keys, devices, workloads, containers, it goes on and on. Uh, Think about it as, you know, all of the machine-related identities that are out there. And what's happening is with digital transformation initiatives, there's this exponential growth of connected devices and these machine identities used to manage process automation. And it's really creating that larger surface and, and threat attack vector, um, really opening organizations up to those cyber vulnerabilities. So, you know when we also think about digital identity, often we, we also think about the specific um, personal data. So whether it be personas on social media, whether it be someone's online bank account, access to Amazon, Netflix, that's all digital identity as well. And then there's that digital blueprint that really is surrounding us. We rely on it. It might be the Nest thermostat in your home, your home wireless, the security systems that surround you. The list goes on and on personal identity in the digital format is, is limitless. Our data is continually analyzed and it's, it's used. It's used against us. It positions ads to us. It sells to us. It's funny, just the other day, my 84 year old father-in-law was essentially taken advantage of because he did an innocent search at the library, looking into knee pain. And before you know it, he's purchasing something online that um, you know has little information about it, but it was served up to him through an ad. So there's just so much more I could go on and on about and discuss. But uh, I want to end by saying that you know right now for personal digital identity and the information that's used, there's very little control. So as we go forward in a world of evolution, um, you know I think that the future is really going to demand better protection and controls of the personal information. And with that, uh, you know, in the future, maybe my father-in-law won't blindly purchase some misguided product for his knee pain. So I hope I have answered your question today.
1: All right. Well, first of all, a couple notes. Uh, Hopefully her father-in-law's knee is feeling better. Second of all, I'm going to give her bonus points for using the term carbon-based life forms as part of her answer. And then third, circling back to the very beginning when um, you know, age was brought into it. She's the one who said she's been doing this for a long time, not me. There you go. I think it's I think it's interesting that she brought up the privacy angle, and the really kind of privacy and consent kind of go hand in hand with some of this. And it's the first time that that has been mentioned in this conversation was ownership, really, of the attributes of the digital identity and how they're used. So yes, and
2: hi- so here's what I was thinking as I was listening to Jamie is that. There's two ways this question could be interpreted. One is, what do people mean when they say digital identity versus identity and access management? So in other words, when people use those terms, what are they trying to differentiate? Or when you hear those terms, what do you think of? And then there's the question of, what should those terms mean? right? And I think if you answer that, it might be a different answer than the previous question. So as I've been listening to these responses, I'm getting more and more on the side that digital identity is really this thumbprint of, who, of data about you. Now, one thing that I've run into over time in the identity and access management consulting or digital identity consulting, whatever you want to call it, right, um, is when does that data stop being IAM data? Right. So when, what data is, I and, and actually one thing I would differ, differentiate from what Jamie said, when I first got into identity and access management, it seemed like it was all about directory synchronization and LDAP data. And we got all this LDAP data, how do we manage the LDAP data? And then the applications are going to bind to the LDAP and authenticate or we we'll have an access management system that binds the LDAP, but it's all about directories, but you know, what used to be the boundary of what was identity data or digital, your digital identity or IM data was what was in the directory. I think that what we found with virtual directories is now you can expand that out and then take it to another step. Imagine if we had Dan Creed from Meta answer this question. What is the digital identity? What is, what is your digital identity thumbprint? Well, now it's you know all these different data points that you, can, you couldn't even imagine where are you? And you think, well, maybe that's marketing data. To me, that's what like the digital identity data is. Whereas the identity and access management is, what is the data that determines what you should have access to? right? So one, what is my credential data? What is the data that's needed for me to authenticate myself? And then what defines what's going to give me access? It could be attributes for attribute-based authentication or it could be roles and things like that. But that is my IAM data. But it seems to me this digital identity goes beyond, like, what are my shopping preferences? What is my location? You know, especially, like, I was at Starbucks the other day. I, every time I go to Starbucks now, if you get in the drive through or you drive by it, it's like, you know, on your iPhone, it pops up with your Starbucks app. Like, you know, you could just push this button and go in and, and have a latte if you'd like. Um, so all of that data now is, is, kind of extending it's, it's marketing data, but it's kind of becomes your digital identity. I don't know. It's so to me that that could be the, what actually is a digital identity versus I am not necessarily how the terms are used. Cause I, I believe the terms are being used as a replacement. I think that when you look at consulting firms, they're just replacing their identity and access management. Practice with digital identity. They're just saying, "Yeah, we have a digital identity practice." You know, five years ago it would have been called their identity and access management pr- practice. So, to me, digital identity is replacing identity and access management from a lexicon standpoint.
1: But I think that they should have a deeper meaning. Yeah, it's interesting. I I think I think you're totally right, especially that last example there of like consulting. Right? What do you call? What is it? you say you would do around here. Well, what are you? <laughs> I'm, I am. Would consultant. You say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or What's I'm a with digital you? identity consultant or, What's wrong you know, with you people, <laughs> um, you know, how do I, how do I name the practice that I'm, you know, starting and running up? Is it, I am, is it digital identity? Is it secure digital identity? Is it just identity? I don't know. I think it's interesting. I think having listened to, you know, five really smart people and then us, listen to, you know, pontificate on this, is I think the definition morphs and changes on a couple things. It's the first is who are you talking to? And the second is what is the point that you're trying to get across? Because if I'm talking to someone who doesn't know anything about identity and access management or digital identity, I'm going to try and keep it simple. And I might use vaguer language that, you know, is maybe easier to understand or try to articulate versus, hey, Jim, let's go talk about why we should be using, you know, ADFS for authentication. And then, you know, not that we should, that's a bad example, sorry. (laughs) We should should be using modern standards for authentication, but, you know, having a more technical conversation and talking through identity and access management versus just this umbrella of identity, which has other connotations to it too, right? Especially in, in, in the physical world with, Gender and things like that. So now we're like, okay, well, where is the line <laughs> for identity? I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I think I went into it originally with the idea of like, okay, well, I see I am as a subset of this broader thing called digital identity. Digital identity is the concept of how are we managing identity and access management in a digital way, whatever that looks like. Having listened to Adam... Like, okay, I can certainly see that where it's flipped on its head in my world. And be like, okay, well, digital identity is sort of a component of identity and access management. If I start thinking about it from a services standpoint, what is it that we're actually offering? And then you, you brought me back when you said, okay, well, on the consulting side, how would you explain what you do? <laughs> so, okay, well, I run an identity practice. And I, I think that's how I've been introducing really kind of myself is, you know, talk to me about identity. And that's kind of where I've left it so far. Um, but I'm sure it'll continue to evolve over time. And I think I think what's fascinating is, you know, we've got five expert opinions and then ours. <laughs> and between the seven of us, none of us really had the same answer, which I think is why this made it made it made the question so interesting when we were originally talking with Andy about it a few weeks ago. and I know my
2: answer evolved throughout the show. And I bet you, if Ian was listening to those other definitions, there'd be things that folks had said that would, you know, as the conversation evolved, he probably would evolve his definition as well. Because those perspectives. But I, I think the end of the day, we did not solve the question, right? We got <laughs> we just showed that this is something that's in flux, something that's happening. I think this is a fantastic uh format for raising some questions like this in the future. And I, I mean, I'd love to hear from our listeners. If this format resonates with you, we can go ahead and do some more episodes like this.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's easy enough to you know, record on your phone, just a simple audio clip. If you've got a definition of, you know, or at least an answer to the question of what is the difference between digital identity and identity and access management? Is there one? Feel free to record something and, you know, tag us on, you know, hit us up on LinkedIn. You can attach the file there or we can figure out how to get over to us. But I think it's something to continue on. I think with Identiverse hitting this week, you know, a lot of these folks that we heard from today, minus us, (laughs) will be there, you know, ask them, you know, what do they mean about some of this stuff? Because I think it'll be interesting to hear. I think you're totally right that if I think if we had all of these folks in the room. I'd be willing to bet some parts of each definition would have evolved just within the last 45 minutes as, as we've been talking here. Absolutely. Yeah. So like any good podcast, we didn't, we didn't offer any answers. We just talked about it for 45 minutes. I think, you know, people can kind of figure out and even if we don't have the answer, maybe what we did is we sparked an idea, right. And someone's listening out there is like, oh, I never really thought about it from that angle. I don't think there's a right answer or a wrong answer. I think there is just, here's how I represent, you know, this specific question. And I think, I think that's okay. I just think you have to be careful about who you're talking to and what's the context of the conversation, because sometimes things can get lost in translation, but I don't know if it necessarily needs to be a right answer right now. I think
2: you're right with that. I think you're right with that. And I think that was kind of what we expected out of this and we got what we we hoped for we we got what we asked for and uh but like i said i think this is a great format so if we come up with some other questions um you know i think that we could pursue this
1: uh format again yeah definitely it was a lot of fun to kind of put this together so um all right so why don't we go ahead and start to wrap things up i was thinking about you know what's our end on a lighter note for this episode and i want to jump on what jamie uh, was talking about with her father-in-law and knee pain and some sort of, I don't know, order, purchase, whatever, that you know, may or may not be helpful. Hopefully it was, but you never know. So here's my question to you, Jim. What is the worst or strangest online ad you will admit to <laughs> that you have been served based on you know browser cookies or session history or whatever it may be? Well, I'm not going to even go
2: close to the that I would admit to kind of thing because... <laughs> It, I, it, I gave
1: you that escape hatch just in case.
2: Yeah, right. So I I mean, I wouldn't call myself a conspiracy theorist, but this is one of the strangest things that happened to me was I grew up in Philadelphia. My brother grew, obviously grew up there as well. And I was he still lives there. And I was visiting him, and he lives in an older house, which that the um townhouse style buildings there, they call them row homes. He lives in a row home. And it's probably 75, 100 years old. And I go into his basement and he's got this big plastic sink next to his washer and dryer. And we used to always call them utility sinks.
1: Yeah, and that's I, said, what I was thinking oh,
2: too. Utility square, right? Yeah, it's like a yep. deep square. Deep, deep base. Yep. And I said, I haven't seen one of those in years, Mike. You know, this utility sink and blah, blah, blah. we had a whole conversation about it. And I really hadn't seen one in years. A couple of days later, an advertisement showed up on my laptop in Amazon, like an Amazon ad for a utility sink. And so the conspiracy theorist in me says, somehow my phone was listening, heard utility sink, sent some kind of, sold some kind of message to Amazon or whatever, and they served me up an ad. Did that happen? Probably not. Maybe it just triangulated the... I was in this area because I do think that, you know, location is something that can be served up, potentially sold to a a vendor. And that maybe there were a lot of utility sink purchases within that area because I would bet you every room in in that whole neighborhood have these utility sinks. So, you know, that's
1: probably what happened. But yeah, it, it got me thinking like, okay, is my phone spying on me? Yeah, I've heard. I think I've heard that one before too, like the whole, you know, is my phone spying me? It could be your brother or someone you know was searching for utility sinks for something, replacement, repair, whatever. And because it know, you know, the powers that be, <laughs> know that that's your brother. it's like, oh, well, maybe you might be interested in this as well, right? Or whatever it might look like. Um, mine is weird and strange, slightly offensive, and definitely creepy. This... I'll never forget this because this was right around the pandemic kind of beginning. I want to say we're about six months into it. It feels like it was ages ago, but I guess that would have been what 2020, roughly. So I want to say it was probably like around June, maybe July. we were a couple months in a lockdown. People weren't, weren't really doing things, and for whatever reason, I was scrolling through. I don't remember if it was Facebook or Instagram. It was one of those two. And you know, you get ads all the time for just weird stuff and. Stuff that they think it might be interesting. Of course, you know, watching your browser history and so forth. And I don't know why this came up, but it was a, it was a ad for, I don't know what the right terminology is, but it was, it's like, you know what spanks are? Where it's like tights for generally for people to like, look like they're slimmer. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, Usually you'll see like, um, you know, I'm sure it's for, for both sexes, but the ones that I know of are spanks are like for women where, you know, they put it on, it kind of slims the figure and so forth. And this was the equivalent, but for men, as like Spanx underwear compression thing that's supposed to go up and over your belly <laughs> to try and compress things. I was like, what the heck is this? And then I got offended. I was like, well, I, okay, yeah, I could lose a few pounds. And yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, I was like, huh. Um, I don't know how they are. I, you know, they, they decided that I was in that other than. Okay, well, here's a person who hasn't left his house probably in like two or three months. <laughs> they probably need help. Um, you know, we've noticed that there's been a lot of DoorDash delivery. A lot of door <laughs> a lot of pizza delivery. Yeah, exactly. So I was I was offended, mostly uh amused, mostly and slightly perturbed that oh, you know, how dare you <laughs> uh dare make that you? recommendation. But I'll never forget it. I was like, all right, well, that's weird and whatever. Just to get you back, I'm going to order two Frosties from from Wendy's right now. <laughs> exactly. Well, if I'm going to start wearing them, I guess I've got to get the maximum value out of it. So, exactly. Uh, so I never did order them, uh, but uh, even though I probably could use them, <laughs> But um, I thought that was interesting as well, just from a timing perspective. And I, and I wonder what in, went into the decision for whatever logic was used to run that ad. Location hadn't changed Mostly at home, a lot of food deliveries, pandemic. I don't know, you know, whatever it may be, but I'll never forget that. I think that was Um, just the weirdest thing I've been served up so far.
2: (laughs) Was that an Amazon ad or was that? Oh, you said that
1: was a a, a Facebook Yeah, it was either Facebook or or Instagram. I can't remember which one it was. And they're the same company, so I guess it doesn't really matter. But yeah, um, I don't remember where exactly I saw it. But usually my Facebook ads are around like audio equipment because that's what I'm <laughs> looking for the podcast right or backpacks i'm i have like a bag collection i'm a i'm a collector of like you know nice backpacks things like that so um usually that's what i get spanned with but this one was just so far out of like the blue i just didn't i didn't get it and i remember showing it to my wife too i was like look at this and she just kind of like smiled I was like, oh, okay, well, screw you then too. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, hey, you know, you might look good in one of those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right, let's go ahead and wrap it up there. Um, I really want to thank Ian, Sarah, Eve, Adam, and Janie for taking the you know, the few minutes or however many, however long it took, you know, to to get that stuff sent over to us. I thought it made for a really interesting episode. I think if you're listening to this and your identiverse, you know. Try to you know, fist bump those folks uh, if they're around and, and let them know you heard us here and ask them to kind of articulate what they meant and see if uh, if their position has changed at all. Um, but I think that would be interesting. And, and if you've got a, a take on it that you think is is different, send it to us as well. We'll be happy to play it on the show and sort of discuss it. So we can go with that. Uh, before we wrap up, any final thoughts for this week, Jim? No, sorry. I'm not going to
2: see everybody out there at the universe, but um, next year. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a fantastic conference. I'm really so depressed about not being
1: there. Yeah. The energy level was uh, pretty good at RSA. I think people are ready to be back. I'm going to try to make it out to Gartner in August in Las Vegas. Um, so maybe, maybe that'll be my, my next one, uh, after, uh, my, uh, my move here takes place over the next week or so. So, um, all right. I'm going to go ahead and leave it there. Uh, you know, thank you all for listening. You, know, you can find us on the web identity at the We're on Twitter at IDAC podcast. The live stream that we do at IDAC.live is still on hiatus while I figure out my life, <laughs> my schedule. Um, but it will be back at some point. And with that, uh, we'll go ahead and leave it for this week. Uh, thanks for listening. And we'll talk with y'all in the next one.
0: Thanks for listening to the Identity at the Center podcast. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and visit us on the web at identityatthecenter.com.